Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. Open our eyes, our ears, the things that you want to teach us, the lessons that are in this portion. Father, may we take it to heart. May we learn the things that you want us to learn today. We glorify you and praise you. Master Yahushua's name, amen. Lord, if you can turn my mic up on the cordless here just up a little bit, it would be great. Okay. So sorry that I failed to put the uh, passages up for you to follow. Hopefully I won't make that mistake next week. We want to welcome everyone online, everyone here. Thank you for being part of this mishpacha, this family. And I always want to say also for being a part of this community because this portion is teaching us a lot about community. So let's uh, dig in. So we're going to obviously talk about uh, Gad and Reuben. So they're, uh, they're uh, crossing over their they're selecting before they cross over. Gad and Reuben is saying basically, yeah, 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 you know, we've, we've got all of this cattle. We've got all of this stuff. We've accumulated a lot of wealth. I know that's the possession, the inheritance that God has made for us, but we're going to select this side over here. We want this side over here, not that side over there. So we're going to talk about that. What are the implications? What are the consequences um, what, where is the person's heart that thinks that way? I want to really dig to the heart of what's happening here. So that's what we're going to talk about. So we're going to jump in in Numbers 32.1. And it says, they had a large number of livestock. And they see this land of Gilead. Ooh, this looks really good. I like that. I want it. I can see it now. Some of the other tribes are going, but bro, the land that God apportioned for us is over here. Come on. I mean, what are you, what are you thinking? This is what we're supposed to have. This is the inheritance. This is, and let me put it another way. You remember how, uh, I think it's Naaman who came to wash in the waters of the Jordan and he was so amazed that it was God's special land that he wanted dirt from that land, right? But here you've got guys that aren't concerned about that land. This is God's land that he said, I will shepherd, and they want a different piece. They don't want the part that... And remember, think about it, was the Transjordan land ever brought up in the past as an inheritance. No. It's not. It's something they're inventing here in their own imagination. Consequences, they are the first to be exiled of all 12 of all the 10 northern tribes. These guys are the first to get booted out. As a matter of fact, the sages say that the moment they chose the land, they were exiled at that moment because they were no longer in the promise. 
They were exiled when they said, we're not going to take that. We're going to be over here. So at that moment, that's the promised land. And they chose here. So that moment, they were already exiled. And when the Assyrians came, they were the first three tribes to get taken out. Wow. Consequences, consequences for not wanting the inheritance that God said is mine. And I'll put it another way. The protection, the blessing, everything is over there. It's wasn't supposed to be over here. First Chronicles 5.3, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, were Hanok and Palu, Hezron and Carmi. The sons of Yoel were Shemai, his son, Gog, his son, Shemai, his son, Micah, his son, Ra'eh, his son, Baal, his son, Beriah, his son, whom Tilgoth Pilsner, king of Assyria, Carried away into exile, he was the leader of the Reubenites. They are the first in First Chronicles 5 to show you they are the first to get taken. Ouch. Consequences. If you have comments or questions, raise your hand. The microphone will make its way to you. Let me put it another way. Where's the community supposed to be? Over there. That's community. Over here... This is man's design of their own community outside what God said would be the community of Israel. Before, to be honest, that's what it's about. Did they obtain their... Oh, go ahead. I have a few things here. The God does not force anyone to go into the land. No. It's our choice. Yep. There's a lot of symbolism in here that I'm going to get to, hopefully. So what does the land of Canaan represent? A lot of people think it's the kingdom of heaven, when actually it's the fruitful life of the believer. So think about that. And again, I'll get to the picture at the end. A lot of us have difficulty with that slave mentality because they've been in the wilderness for 40 years. We easily grasp and accept the blood of the Messiah. But then we, to get us out of death to life, but then we often struggle with the body of the lamb, which gives us out of slavery into freedom. So there's two separations right there we forget about. So what's inside, as you mentioned, the land is the inheritance. But outside the land, not so much. So we got this separation in and out. The picture of this inheritance is basically, like I said, the fruitful life of the believer. It's the word of God the body of the lamb. There's, Reuben, there's these two tribes, Reuben and Gad. They decide to live on the outside, as you mentioned. They didn't want to go on the inside. In every community, or as we say, it's, it's possible that we spend so much time out in the wilderness that we become to love it. And this is home to us. We don't like change. And then in every community throughout the body of Messiah today, they want to take their inheritance on the wrong side. And when you look at Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, plus Dan, they were all firstborns. And we know what the promise of the firstborn gets. They get the inheritance. They get all these special blessings. So they had that at their fingertips, but yet they still chose to go their own way. Yeah, and Manasseh. Yep. So Reuben, Gad, Manasseh, and Dan, all four of them, 
They had the preeminence. They were firstborn. It be that they were thinking in their mind, we're not, the talk is Caleb's going to get first choice. A guy that's not even one of Jacob's kids. And we're firstborn. Are we going to just let it fall upon whoever and whatever? Or shall we go ahead and grab, shall we grab what we feel we deserve and what's ours over here? Right. It's a very good point. The firstborn, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. And there's three main things where Reuben and Gad, they goof up. 32, 16. They came near to him and said, we will build sheep folds for our livestock and cities for our little ones. Moses says, no, 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 no. Your priorities are wrong. He says in 32, 24, build cities for your little ones and folds for your sheep. They were putting their livestock first. So again, they took their own thoughts there. The second thing that they goofed up on is 32, 17. We will be armed, ready to go before the children of Israel. Again, Moses corrects him and says that every armed man among you should cross the Jordan before the Lord. In other words, Adonai goes in first. You don't go in first. He goes in first. Israel follows. So that's in 32, 21. All your armed men cross over the Jordan before the Lord. And then the third thing that they goof up on is in 32, 18. We will not return to our homes until every one of the children of Israel has received his inheritance. Moses had to correct them again because it's not until the sons of Israel come to their possession, but it's not until God has accomplished the battle. So again, it's the fruitful, that comes in 32, 21, until he has driven out the enemies before him. So in summary, is you have the land of Canaan. It's the life of the fruitful believer. They're at this side of the Jordan. If everyone would take their Bible and set it down in front of them, and then on their left arm with a magic marker, write Jordan, and on their right arm, write river. We all are a Jordan River away from entering the promised land. We choose to hold that promised land or that Bible in our hands, but yet we don't draw into it and bring it. So it's not the river that we're crossing. It's this. It's grabbing onto that word of the Lord. And it's by our, it's that the Jordan River is our arm length. Just we have to grab onto it, and we have to enter into that word. Grab the possession. Or grab, the prom- the pos- grab the promise and, and what was allotted for the, the people of Israel, yeah. yes. And then if we're going to be a spiritual people, a follower of Messiah, we should never leave God out of the equation. Mm-hmm. They put themselves first, because it says in Acts 17, 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. And also some of your poets have said, we are also his offspring. So all of our service is for him. I know yep. it says there's two um, great commandments. I actually believe there's one, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and love your neighbors yourself. They're one. We have to love our community. Yep. We have to love him. You can't do one or the other. It's pick and choose. It's do both or do none. You're reading my slides. <laughs> I think Abba put us both on the same direction. So my question to you is, did they obtain their flocks the way that they did the land? So here we have a group of people that are basically grabbing a piece of land that no one said they could have. They're just jumping up and saying, hey, we'll take this. 
And so the question is, while they're in the land, while they're in the wilderness moving, did they obtain the flocks and the wealth in a like manner? In other words, is the character that's coming out now something that was already there? Question. Could this be selfish desire to possess the Transjordan land instead of the promise and have affected their blessing? So they did not hold to the promised land. They didn't look at the promised land and give it high esteem. It was not as important, and it was very costly. But remember that Yahuwah did not bequeath the Transjordan land, nor did Reuben and Gad inherit it by lot. Neither of those two things happened. Again, by their own hand, and making a deal with Moses. Right? Numbers 32.20 says, So Moses said to them, If you will do this, in other words, here's the deal, if you'll do this, you will arm yourselves before Yahuwah for the war, and all you armed men cross over, and Yahuwah, until he has driven his enemies out from before him, which is the point that uh, Bob was making, and the land is subdued, then afterward you shall return and be free. So, that's the deal, but it didn't come by allotment, and it didn't come by bequeathing it. Very costly. Matthew 19, 23 through 24 states how hard it is for the rich man to enter into the kingdom. They're wealthy. The sages say these guys were wealthy. They had the most livestock. And remember, Manasseh, he increased 60% in numbers from the first numbering to the second numbering, showing that he had been blessed. There was an increase, and all this wealth of increase of the family, increase in the livestock, and now I want more. I, I'm, I'm entitled. I'm entitled. I've got, I've got a lot of stuff. So it's hard for the man that's wealthy to think about what God is giving instead of what you're wanting for your own personal selfish reasons. Moses calls them a brood of sinners. Behold, you have risen up in your father's place, a brood of sinful men, to add still more to the burning anger against Israel. James 3.16 says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Ouch. It's costly whenever you're putting your own self above everyone else. We talked about love in the in-depth study, and we were gleaning out that it's putting the well-being of others ahead of yourself is the real love that God wants us to have. But these men were thinking of themselves above the brothers. They weren't even willing to go to war. They were like, oh, God will work it out. You guys figure it out. we got all the cattle. Is this... I mean, we've seen it in men's hearts. This is, why, this is how men, this is how, what evil does, what sin does when it comes into men's hearts. Reuben and Gad do not mention their kids, only the flocks. I can see the wives back there going, say what? Their mind is on the flocks. It's like the man, his mind is on the, 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 the four-wheel drive truck and getting it clean is not on, you know, the house, the family, and all the needs. It's on what he's wanting to do. 
It's on what his mind is on and not what is the need and the goal for the family. The flocks appear to be more important. It's like Moses is saying, get your priorities straight, just what Bob said. Get your priorities in order. I don't know about you, but I feel like as we're moving forward in what's happening in the world, I feel God is knocking on the door and telling us, you all need to get your houses in order. Get your houses in order. The land which Yahweh conquered before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and you and your servants have livestock. We found favor. If we found favor, let us have this land for, the, for us to be a possession for us because it's for the livestock. No kids' house, no wives are mentioned. It's me, 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 me. I see how beautiful this side is. It's so good, so green. My livestock will just munch it up and they're going to expand even more and I'll get wealthier. Wealth is for the kingdom, not for selfish design. So Reuben and Gad do not mention Yahuwah's name in their petition. Only after Moses says Yahuwah's name six times do they mention Yahuwah's name. So they're, they're going to petition for the land, but God's name doesn't come up in their petition. <laughs> not only is their mind not on the possession and inheritance that God's giving, not on the kids and the wives, but it's not even on God. Whoa. Priorities are really out of order here. Let's see. Then they came near to him and said, We will build the sheepfolds for our livestock and the cities for our little ones, but we ourselves, we are armed, ready to go before the sons of Israel until we have brought them into the place. While our little ones live in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land, will not return to our homes. I don't see anything about God's name in all of this, but... Moshe says, said to them, if you will do this, if you will arm yourselves before Yahuwah for the war, if you will cross over the Jordan before Yahuwah, and the land is subdued before Yahuwah, you shall be free of your obligation toward Yahuwah. But if you do not do it, you have sinned before Yahuwah. I mean... He's bringing up God over and over and over. And these guys are like, uh-oh, we've made an error here. We didn't mention God's name here in what we're talking about. But I like what he says, your sin will find you out. How many of you have ever had a sin find you out? Anyone had that? Sin find you out? It's like the death angel moving through the streets of Egypt, finding out the one who didn't have the blood on the door, right? That's a hard thing to swallow when the sin finds you out. So why do you think Elohim always wanted them together, and even after punishment, he says, I'm going to gather them again? Why is it that God, even though we talked about it in the, the in-depth study, he says, I, I held my hands wide open for these people. I wanted to gather. Yeshua said, I long to gather you, but you're not willing. God wants the people to come together as community. He he chastens them he he disciplines them but never leaves them or forsakes them even though consequences he still is with them why do you think he wants to even in ezekiel 37 he says in the days to come i'm going to gather you from all over the earth and i'm going to bring you back even though i divorced you why does god want the community 
all of the 12 together. Doesn't seem like Reuben and Gad and Menashe were interested in that. Anyone have any thoughts? It's about community. So our prophet portion is in Jeremiah chapter 2. We're going to come back to the Torah portion in a second. But it is about community. Now the word of Yahweh came to me saying, Go and proclaim in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says Yahweh, I remember concerning you the devotion of your youth. I remember when you used to love me and used to follow my ways. The love of your betrothals, you're following after me in the wilderness. You, you, were, you were faithful to me. Through a land not sown, Israel was holy to Yahuwah, the first of his harvest. But they did not say, where is Yahuwah who brought us up out of the land of Egypt? Sounds like Gad and Reuben, not mentioning God's name. Who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and deep darkness, through a land that is no one cross and where no man dwelt. I brought you into the fruitful land to eat its fruit and its good things. But you came and defiled my land. My inheritance you made an abomination. The priest did not say, where is Yahuwah? And those who handle the Torah did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that, I didn't, that did not profit. Why, why, why? After they're doing all this thing of rebellion and walking against, why does he want to bring them together? Why is he concerned about his people? Why does he want them brought together under his banner? Deborah and Lisa hit on it during the, what did you guys call it? Covenant what? Covenant loyalty. That's the word for chesed, loving kindness. Something we very much lack in. Covenant loyalty. Even though they did not follow the way, even though all of us were sinners, he's loyal to the covenant. <laughs> that alone should, that's just so amazing about our God. So amazing that he's loyal, even though we are not. He's going to make sure that his promise is fulfilled, that his loving kindness is seen. What did Moses, Moses say? All the nations will say, you brought him out here to destroy them. God's not going to let that happen. He's going to show the, the earth he's loyal to the covenant. Be appalled, O heavens, at this, and shudder. Be very desolate, declares Yahweh, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. They forsook him. And he still wants to gather them and take them. The fountain of living waters to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. This word forsaken is this word in Greek that means to abandon and desert. Wow. I, I can't fathom it. Now, I mean, but I mean, human nature is human nature. Something is happening causing people to want to abandon, want to desert. But God, thankfully, does not forsake or leave. He's faithful. Have you not done this to yourself by your forsaking Yahuwah, your Elohim, 
when he led you in the way. But now, what are you doing on the road to Egypt to drink the waters of the Nile? Or what are you doing on the road to Assyria to drink the waters of the Euphrates? Your own wickedness will correct you, and your apostasies will reprove you. Know therefore and see that it is evil, evil and bitter for you to forsake Yahweh Elohim, and the dread of me is not in you. And yet he still wants to take them. It's like the, Gary pointed out, the, the harlot, the prostitute, telling Hosea, go get a prostitute. <laughs> take her for a wife. Takes her for a wife, then she runs off, harlotering again. He finds out, man, I really love this woman. God's like, now you know how I feel about my people. I love them. I want them. Even though they aren't faithful, I want them. They're mine. Yet I planted you a choice vine, a completely faithful seed. And how then have you turned yourself before me into a degenerate shoots of a foreign vine? Ooh. Although you wash yourself a lie and use much soap, the stain of your iniquity is still before me. How is it removed? Blood of the Lamb. Stain is there until the blood of the Lamb comes. Huh? Our New Testament portion is James chapter 2. And this is about love. If however you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law of transgressors. Was Gad and Reuben being partial? If we're to be honest, was Gad and Reuben being partial to the inheritance? They were. They wanted, they didn't want what everyone, it's like, you've got a kid, and you say, you know, <laughs> you all know where I'm going. <laughs> Here's what we're all going to have, this is what we're going to have, but I don't want that. I spent $50 on this. This is good stuff, but I don't want it. I want this over here. For whoever keeps the whole Torah and yet stumbles in one point has become guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, and said, do not commit murder. Now if you do commit adultery, but, but don't, or do not commit adultery, but commit murder, you become a transgressor of even all of it. Mm -hmm. Speak and act as those who are to be judged by the Torah of liberty, for judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, how many of you are glad that his mercy triumphed over the judgment that was due to you when he sent his son to die for you, and even in your sin and your wickedness and your depravity, even in all that you do, even today when evil thoughts come into your mind, God says, Yeshua says, I know that he did that, Father, but I forgive him. Wow. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but has no works? Can faith save him? For brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food? And none of you says to them, go in peace, be warned and be filled. And yet do not give them what is necessary for the body. What use is it? Now I've got to remind you, we talked about it in the in-depth study. He's leading them in the desert. 
They're wicked. They've forsaken him. We just read in uh, Jeremiah. They forsook him. They're wicked. They've totally uh, uh, left him, didn't want him. And guess what he did? He gave them food and gave them water, gave them clothing, defeated the enemies. He's doing the things he's asking you and I to do. He clothe, feed, and give hungry even our enemy. That's the heart and love of God that we talked about in the in-depth study. Wow. So faith, even if it has no works, is dead being by itself. But the works he wants you to do is the hava, the loving kindness, the chesed, the things that he shows to us. But someone may well say, but you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, uh, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And by the way, Deborah showed us that in the in-depth study, the first time that love is mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis, where Abraham is offering his son, where Ahav comes up in this sentence. God is showing you this is real love, laying down life, no greater love than a person lays his life down for another. So he's obeying God by giving up his son because that's what the Almighty asked of him. Abraham was showing chesed to the Father. Wow. So what if your heart is not to receive the inheritance but something else? What if your heart has decided, you know, I, I don't want what God is giving me. I don't want this or that. I don't even want the Torah. I want something else. First Chronicles 5.25 says, But they acted treacherously against Yahweh of their, or Elohim of their fathers, played the harlot after the gods of the peoples of the land, whom God had destroyed before them. So the Elohim of Israel stirred up the spirit of Pul, king of Assyria, even the spirit of Tilgath, Pilsner, king of Assyria, and he carried them away into exile, namely the Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh, and brought them to Halal, Habor, Harat, and into the river of Gozan to this day. Here's what happens when your heart is not to receive the inheritance. You get taken into captivity because God's got to teach you a lesson. And guess what happened in captivity? They cried out to God, just like they did in Egypt. God says, I'm going to bring you into captivity, and you're going to call on me. That's the point. Do we need to be a little cooler? Is it getting warm? Huh? Is it warm? Are you burning up? No? Okay. I want to share this with you. The things that can cause you to lose your inheritance, call it spiritual, physical, whatever you want to call it, covetousness, Pride, worldliness, double-mindedness, faithlessness, bad company, and obstinance. Ooh, and I bet none of those fit anybody in here. Manasseh enjoyed great blessings before half of its members fell into temptation. Manasseh was obedient and blessed in the wilderness. He grew the most. By the beginning of their journey, the Manasseh tribe had fighting men totaling 32,000. By the end of their 38-year journey, the fighting men totaled 52,000, a 63% increase. 
God promised the tribe of Nashe within the promised land, together with the cities which were set apart for the sons of Ephraim in the midst of the inheritance of the sons of Manasseh, all the cities with their villages. But half of this tribe gave up God's blessings for a counterfeit promise of a better life outside the promised land. Ooh. Not good. How many of those things fit in Manasseh, Gad, and, and uh, Reuben's decision to not take the inheritance? How many of these? Was it covetousness? Was it pride? Faithlessness? Was it bad company? Obstinance? All of the above? <laughs> Full of it all? <laughs> they had a double portion of all of it? <laughs> I hope none of us get any of that. I mean, that's bad consequences, yes. We often think, so we're all part of a body, and we talk about Reuben and Gad and the things that they did and how now the tribe split. We have to be careful with our own sin and our own disobedience yes. because being part of a body, we may not realize it, but our own sin and disobedience could affect our neighbor. Yep. Because they could be seeing something in your life. That's right. And then in, in the Talmud, Shavuot 39a, in discussing the d domino effect of sin, concludes with the aromatic phrase, Kol Israel, Erevim Ze Baze, meaning all of Israel are responsible for each other. We are responsible. Are we our brother's keeper? Mm -hmm. So here is the Transjordan side. You got the river going from the Galilee down to the Dead Sea. And you see Menashe, Gad, and Reuben, the pieces that they chose on the eastern side. I left this part of James out on purpose. My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious master Yahushua with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes, Reuben and Gad are looking over at Mount Ebal, which is barren, and they're looking over here in the Transjordan, which is green and lush, and they're going, I'm going to pay special attention to this side because it's really green and lush, and I don't like that barren, baldy, Ebal Mountain, if that's what I'm going to get, I'm not going to take it. I'm just not going to take it. <laughs> Don't want it. I want, I want, I want what I want and what I see. <laughs> you sit here in a good place and you say to the poor man, you stand over there. Go sit out at my footstool. Go out and sit outside. You have, not made, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and, because, and become judges with evil motives? Listen, my beloved brethren, do not God, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? The poor. God's choosing the poor. He chose the smallest. He chose the least. He chose... All of these things is not because of the greatness. It's not be because of their righteousness he brings them in. He be brings them in because of his love. He chooses. And be thankful that he chose you and I. So is the heart in the right place in our story? Bob said it's not. 
I think we've come to an agreement that it's not. I want to show you Korah and Haman. We have two examples of two men who became very wealthy, who became very honored. One on one side of the, the, it, with the kingdom of God, one outside the kingdom. And because of evil motives, because of selfishness, because of those things we listed earlier, covetousness, all of the things, bad company, both were destroyed. Both. Obtaining something with wrong motives and the wrong heart is a big no-no. An ouch. See, the assembly without love is fractured. It's inefficient. It's without purpose. First John, I picked up my Bible yesterday and was reading. I just I picked it up. I said, okay, where do you want me to read? Open it up, and it came here. And I said, Father, in light of what you already show me, what I'm going to speak about, for it to fall to this, it's amazing. So here it is. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God. And I will say that righteousness must include chesed. If the righteousness that you think you're practicing does not include chesed, you're missing the real heart of God and the righteousness. Nor the one who does not love his brother, for this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life biding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? When Reuben and Gad were willing to let the nation go and do the battling, and they were willing to stay over here and enjoy the green lush grass, and they weren't willing to go over and fight until Moses reminded them of it. They were not abiding in the love of God. It's evident completely in their decision. And it's an example for us today. Little children, let us not love with word and tongue, but in deed and truth. Now this is the key I want you to catch. We will know that by this that we are of the truth. And we will assure our heart before him. You want your heart assured before him? Then make sure you're doing these deeds here. That's chesed. That's chesed. That's loving kindness. So how should community work? Ephesians 4.11 says, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. It gave some to come up in the in-depth study and bring a word. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, to building up the body of Messiah, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of Elohim to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Messiah. 
As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves of carried about on every wind of doctrine, by every YouTube channel, by everything that you hear and say that someone said, and you haven't taken the time to measure it up against what God Almighty has said, nor have you even asked Him and sought Him. By the trickery of men, craftiness and deceit and scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Mashiach, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body of the building up itself in love. Gad and Reuben said, I know y'all are going to build up over there the body of Mashiach, but we're going to build our own up over here. No. Wanting to build up your own assembly and your own body outside of the assembly that God's wanting to build, that's not what God's wanting to do. And I'm going to close with this. Ultimately, any community will only be as strong as the commitment of individuals to the welfare and well-being of each other within the community. When our goal is the well-being of each one in here, that's community. And Gad and Reuben were not considering the well-being of the brothers that were going over to the inheritance. And that's our lesson today. Would you stand with me? Father, I thank you for the word today. May we be better at displaying your chesed. May we be better at the loving kindness that you have shown us. May we be better at love, laying our life down for a brother. May we be better at giving food and water to those who are in need. May we be better about honoring those who do not have honor. And may we be better about humbling ourselves and bringing ourselves down and lifting up our brother. Father, may we have in our heart the desire to do the things that you do. The, 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 you, you loved your enemy. Israel was your enemy, and you loved them. You fed them and clothed them. You watered them. You protected them, even though they hated you. They rejected you as king and wanted an earthly king. But you loved them anyway. Father, may we have that love for our enemies. May we have that love for everyone that we can display your character. We give you praise and glory in Master Husher's name. Amen. Now you get to say Shabbat Shalom. <laughs> Thank you all online for joining. Thank you all here. Have a blessed rest of your Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom. And get to know uh, our family from Canada. Uh, get to know them. They're wonderful people. So Shabbat Shalom.